2: Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at?
3: Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, did a close family member come to a woman in her dreams to say goodbye before anyone else knew she was dead?
0: Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown. Possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is.
3: And 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We'd absolutely love to hear them. You can also uh, go to our website at realghoststoriesonline.com and share your real ghost story with us right there. Writing is more your thing. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, really, most importantly, you guys are what keeps this program on the air. Without your support, we don't have a show. So if you like it, and we'll reward you by giving you tons of bonus content 300 some bonus episodes to binge away on, advanced episodes of the show, all commercial free. Our archive of more than eight years to binge away on, uh, our ebook, our audiobook, all that you get. When you sign up to be an extra podcast person in EPP, sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to get all of the extras. We so greatly appreciate your support over the years. We couldn't do this thing without you guys. It's the weekend edition of Real Ghost Stories Online, and we're back doing it. Uh, Tony and Harper on today's episode. And how are you? Good. Are you ready to be back in the studio?
4: Yes, I am. It's been a while. It
3: has been. It's been uh, kind of the holidays. We took our little bit of a break. Uh, and well, we're back and we're uh, we're ready to go and do the show as, as best we can. Yeah. So welcome back to the studio.
4: Well, it feels good to be back here.
3: Get a little close to your microphone.
4: Sorry. There
3: you go. Got to remember that. Uh, let's jump into our first story of the day. And uh, it starts out like this. As soon as I get scrolled down to it. (laughs) Here we go. Once or hello, I have a story to tell. My story takes place about three months into the COVID-19 pandemic. My husband and I were in the kitchen talking and my two daughters, one of their names is Harper, too. were in the living room playing. My husband does something to me where I feel like he was not respecting me as a husband should. I'll not go into detail, but my guess is some women may understand. After this altercation, I left crying, having a panic attack and just felt alone. I have a strong family support system, but I just felt like I could not talk about what happened. Or if I did, I felt like I would get a, this is your role as wife, etc." Some 1950s uh, response since my supporting family is in their 70s. Once the dust settles that day, I go to bed and cry myself to sleep. I cannot tell you the last time I cried myself to sleep. Maybe when I was in high school, 33 now, once I'm asleep, I'm, I have a dream. To give you a backstory, in the past, I have had family members visit me via dreams. I've had uh, predicted major life events via dreams as well. I am my dream and my dream that took place that night. I was crying and suddenly I felt a presence, a calming, reassuring presence. It was my grandmother with whom I was awfully close. She had died maybe three years prior. I remember seeing her and thinking, how could I see her? She died. Then a voice said, don't be scared. It's your grandmother. She's family. An important note is whenever I have these visitations, I'll feel nervous, spooked, shocked, and that's how I know this is a visitation. I'll have dreams with a said family member in them, and if I do not have that feeling, then I know it is a dream. That's how I can distinguish between a visitation versus a dream. After the voice said not to worry, I felt this calmness go over me. I felt like all my anxiety, my fear, the aloneness, was all gone. It was almost like she was a shoulder to cry on. I kind of remember her saying, it's okay. Once the calmness swept across my body, I do not remember too much after that. Then I woke up the next morning. I was calm as a cucumber and felt like I could conquer the world the next day. I've had ghostly experiences and this was not scary. In fact, this was a beautiful blessing. I do not know how my energy would have been the next day if my grandmother would not have visited. It was the first time I've seen her since her passing. I'm sure it will not be the last. For the record, my husband has since apologized and we have worked past it. It's interesting.
4: It really is. Go ahead. It's good that the grandma um, of her came to visit her and comfort her because, well, she was pretty sad.
3: She needed that. it's, It's almost like if you looked at her emotions as a bucket, And it got filled up with everything that she felt after the altercation with her husband. And somehow in in our conscious life, when we're awake, those are things we work through and, and we would need to talk about. And, you know, one person would need to say, I'm sorry, you know, admit to their faults. And and hopefully the two can get on the same page. But it's almost like what happened here is is by the grandmother visiting, it's like she came in and she she jammed a big hole through that bucket and just drained it. Drained it without the, uh, I guess, the that other step taking place. But it sounds like they did take some of those steps as well. But maybe her bucket wasn't so full while she was going through that with her husband that it allowed both to have you know, more level heads about things or more even keel about things without, you know, emotions overflowing where they, you know, where that doesn't help anything when someone's trying to work something out, when everything gets, you know, very, you know, up in the air. air. And, and, and the thing is men can do it. Women can do it. Everyone can do it. Uh, when emotions that, that's, are super high, that's not the greatest time to make decisions or try and work with work through things. Um, but it sounds like her grandmother came in and helped her lower those emotions so they could find a way. To work through things um i'd be interested to see if anything happened with him too and not that we're going to know but I, I would be wondering if if there was anything there that helped him kind of see the error in his ways as well yeah but it sounds like a good thing where you almost have like a virtual <laughs> magical therapist you know when you go talk to a therapist you you, you want to figure out ways to deal with things so you can lower your bucket and punch a hole in the emotions To pull those things down, but it's like this one kind of went and just let me sit by a vacuum in here and suck that all up for you. Yeah. And that seems kind of like what happened there. Thank you for sharing that story with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We would love to hear them. Let's go to our next letter. It says, I remember hearing a story that my father had told me many years ago about some friends he and my mother had. The friends were a young couple with three daughters. It was in the 70s, early 80s. The family was struggling to find work in rural South Central Illinois. After many months of crashing with family and job searching, the man of the house finally got word through a mutual friend that there was a farming job opportunity not too far away in the neighboring town. The job did not pay much, but did include rent-free living quarters on the property. It was a spacious farm, old farmhouse with ample space for a growing family. The family was overly excited to move into their own house, and the children were excited to have their own bedrooms. They moved in late spring, and things were normal for a while. The family loved having so much space. Then as the summer ended and the weather started cooling off, the oldest daughter, about 9 or 10, started complaining about how cold her room got that night. Her room was upstairs and had a large walk-in closet, so the parents investigated why it was so cold in her room, and found that the large walk-in closet had a window that was open. Also, a pull-string light in the center of the closet was on. So they shut the window, turned off the light, and asked the girl if she had opened it. The girl said no, and the parents believed her as the farmhouse was old and every window in the house was hard to open. As time went on and the months got colder, the problem of the upstairs closet window being open and the light being on continued, sometimes three, four times a day. The parents were closing the window, and sure enough, the damn light would be on. So after many frustrations, the window was nailed shut and the light bulb removed. The little girl that stayed in that room began to be frightened of the room and no longer wanted to sleep there alone after the nailing of the window. She told her parents that there was a strange man that would stand over her bed at night. She said his name was Rudy. He did not want us in his house. The parents were not really buying into the little girl's story until one day. The mother was out shopping with the girls one afternoon, and the husband was all alone. He was working at the farm and decided to take a break for lunch. He went into the house, made a sandwich, turned on the TV, sat down to eat, and a few minutes later, the family dog perks up and looks at the door that leads upstairs. The husband takes notice and mutes the TV. Then he starts to hear heavy footsteps descending the staircase. Every hair stood on the end of the dog, and he began to growl and bark. The husband called out to the footsteps, ''Hey, who's there?'' He walks over to the window to look for his wife's car to make sure nobody is home but him. Then he reaches into a drawer and pulls out a revolver. The footsteps continue to descend, getting closer to the door. The man shouts, you better come out now with your hands up. Nothing. The door stays shut. The man shoots six times into the door. After the shots, the man got an ice cold feeling. He looked down and could see the carpet. He pressed down in the shape of boot prints and walked across the dining room. The man tells his wife what he saw, both scared and not sure what to do. They have the house blessed by a priest. Things are going well for the husband, farming, and the family does not want to relocate. Things settle down for a while. The daughter still will not sleep in her room for fear that Rudy is in there. But things are quiet for the most part. One day, the wife's brother asks if he can rebuild a motorcycle in their basement. She says okay, and he proceeds to bring parts down. The basement has bulkhead doors to the ramp for bringing in firewood. So one day, like the husband's experience, the wife's brother is alone working on his new project in the basement. It starts getting cold all of a sudden. The lights in the basement start to swing back and forth. They had crop vegetables drying from the ceiling. They began to swing and eventually fly around the room. The wind got so intense that motorcycle parts were getting stuck in the limestone foundation. The family returned later that day. Their driveway had fresh gravel burnout marks leaving it. The wife went looking for her brother, wondering what was up, obviously left in a hurry. She gets to tow and sees his pickup truck in front of his apartment building. She goes up, knocks on his door, no answer. She knocks again, nothing. She tries the knob. It's open and she peeks inside and calls out to her brother. She finally finds him in the coat closet, crying and shaking. He can barely get the words out to tell her what happened. So now the family contacts the landlord of this place. He tells them about the last family that Farmed with him. The landlord says they were great, hardworking, kind. And one day they were just gone. Gone, asked the husband. Yeah, gone, said the landlord. I came out to check on them. There was food on the table, rotten. All the chairs on the table were tipped over, TV on, and not a soul in sight. After that, the family packed up and left. They said they'd drive past from time to time to see the house and see if anyone else moved in. But it sat empty. And sure like heck. The upstairs window was open and the light was on every time. Love the show. Thanks for your time.
4: This is the biggest question that yeah. keeps on rolling and rolling in my mind every time I do the show. Yeah. What do these ghosts want?
3: Yeah. In some case like this, what do you think? What's your, what's your thoughts? Uh, if you had to guess, what do they want? What is it here?
4: For the people to move away.
3: And I think you're right. I think it kind of comes down to that. They want their space.
4: I think it's like they still think that that house and they're still living in it. Mm-hmm. So they don't want other people living in it.
3: I think you're right. And and there's no real way to kind of cohabitate when you're a ghost. That is really kind of, I guess, fair to the ghosts and fair to the the living people simultaneously. Because the living can't necessarily see them on a regular basis. To And nor would a living person go, yeah, it's okay, I bought this house and I'm trying to live here, but yeah, you're not really truly physically living here, but yeah, let me just give up my house for you so you can keep being here. It's never a situation that's going to end like that in any rational (laughs) situation. You know, nobody's going to say that to a ghost unless they're, I guess, ridiculously wealthy and can afford to buy a home for ghosts and then move on. But that's not normal. (laughs) So what do you do is the question. Do you find I guess you try and find a way to cohabitate with the spirits. But the thing is, sometimes they're not going to give up and they'll probably outlast your patience to put up with them.
4: Honestly, what I would do if I was in that situation. Yeah. Pack up and leave. First, I it's
3: would not always that easy though.
4: But the first thing I would do is bring like a spirit box, see what the ghost like wants.
3: You try and you try and reason with them or, or yes. get some answers.
4: Yes. That is what I'm trying to do.
3: And see what happens. Yes. Sometimes people do make peace. And and things kind of calm down. And sometimes Those ghosts got their opinions and what they want to do. They're not backing down. And then you end up with cases like this where even after everybody's left the house, look, lights are still on. And maybe there's not even any lights in the house to be on. But they're there.
4: And that's creepy. It
3: is. 855-853-4802. Our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you're on the air.
2: Hey, I am a CNA at an, um, assistant living facility. And very recently I have had a resident who we obviously knew that she was dying because she was, um, declining in health and she passed away. A week after all of these events had happened. Um, The first event that we noticed was that um, she was just very confused and very disoriented. um, Not making a whole lot of sense. Um, And we just brushed it off because old age. And uh, so the second incident happened a few days after where she was starting to hallucinate or so what my staff thinks. And I remember being in her room and she looked at me and she said, I see my sister in the corner. And I said, okay. And she's like, she's ready to take me home. And I'm like, okay, are you ready to go home? And she's like, not quite because I still have unfinished business here. I said, okay. So then the third event happened, I would say like the next night where once again, she was having the hallucinations and this time she, I was downstairs, I was finishing cleaning up the kitchen and all I I heard was a blood curdling scream with her yelling, get out of my room. You are not welcome here. So I run upstairs. And as I enter my residence room, I saw her just standing there. And she's screaming at the same corner. And when she heard me come into the room, she looked at me. She said, there's something in this room and it's flying around and it won't leave me alone. It won't leave me alone. It won't leave me alone. She kept screaming and I said, okay, how about you come downstairs? We'll have a snack. Um, and you know, let's just basically let's get of the room and, um, we go downstairs. And the same resident, as I get her downstairs and I get her a snack and stuff like that, she looks dead at me as I place her plate. And this woman doesn't know anything about me or my life or anything about my kids or my husband. And she looks dead at me and she said, You got four children, four beautiful children, two girls, two boys, and they are going to grow up just fine. I don't think you have anything to worry about. That kind of made my hair stand up. I said, okay, you know, uh, You know, I didn't know what to think at the time. So as you know, as soon as she finished her snack, I brought her upstairs. And I get her ready for bed, place her in her bed. And again, she looks at me. And she's like, your grandmother. She said my grandmother's name. Again, this woman doesn't know anything about me or my life. And she says your grandmother is very proud of you and she's always watching over you. She loves, she loves her great grandbabies, even though she's never met them, but she's constantly watching over them. And she told me that she's very proud. that she's very proud of me and all of, all of everything I have accomplished. I left the room very quickly and I started crying because I was very close with my grandmother, but she died when I was very young. I would say about nine or 10 years old. So the very next night, the night that she passed, I came into work. And this woman, she's sitting on the couch, perfectly fine, watching LMN. And she looks at me and she says, I'm ready. And I asked her, I said, what are you ready for? And, and she's like, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to be with my family. I said, okay, Um, if that's your decision, I fully accept it and I fully support it. Um, You know, I kinda just brushed it off to the side because again, old age, you say things So I'm off to another area in my building, taking care of another resident. And I come back about maybe 15 minutes later to check on her. And she was basically slumped over dead. And I, it scared the shit out of me. Um and of course we you know all take take all procedures you know when a resident dies and i'm very brand new to the field <laughs> you know i've never dealt with a dead person before so um just revealing like the week before that she passed and It still spooks me a little bit. It, to this day, I think that it will stick with me for the rest of my life, you know, uh, just, you know, I, yeah, it it will, it will stick with me for the rest of my life. That's for sure. Um, I will never forget that kind of experience. Um, I recently went and got a new job and my first or second night there. I had a resident um, who was close to dying and it was very much almost like the same experience. It's very eerie. It makes my hair stand on end. yeah, i you know, now that, uh, like, I, you know, like I said, being new to the field, and as a CNA, you do, yeah, postpartum, um, you got to take care of residents that pass away, and it's very, um, eerie, something that really sticks with you. And I honestly can tell you that that no matter how much you try to turn off your emotions, you do become emotional, whether you are attached to that person or not. But during their last few days on Earth, it it really sticks with you. So yeah, that's my story.
3: Thank you for sharing your very emotional story with us. And I got to say this, you know, her saying that she's new to this field and it sticks with you. It certainly does. But the thing is, these stories are not necessarily something that are just going to happen to you right at the beginning of being in this field. This is a field where you're going to continue to have these experiences throughout your life if if you stay in that field. So just be aware it's one of those things that one should think about when they're early on in that area of is that something you're prepared to be able to handle uh, and, and you know, cope with uh, going forward.
4: I completely understand why you said it scared the bleep out of you.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a horrible joke to make somewhere in there too. Uh, And not to to discount the story at all. I'll say it in a minute, but I mean, it was a great, you know, that's the thing You're, you're with these individuals who are at the very last moments of their lives. And there's so many unexplained things that happened. The fact that she knew your grandmother's name, you know, anyone could give you the generic messages of she's proud of you. And that's great, but she knew her name and she didn't know you, her from Adam to be able to just say your, that that's, that's where it's like okay this is the intersection of delusion meets reality and and it's it's not just somebody saying i think i see your grandma and she's proud of you it's here's her name here's some specifics about your life that i shouldn't know and i somehow know because they're at that crossroads and they're they're seeing things that you're not seeing um my horrible joke that I, I thought in there was she said that uh, the woman was sitting there watching LMN, which is Lifetime Movie Network. And my thought was, well, anyone who's sitting there watching Lifetime Movie Network all day would be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times can you watch the story of uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's all sorts of you know horrible stories out here on Lifetime Movie Network. But um, uh, that was my bad joke. But um, yeah, but seriously, though. It's, it's a very interesting profession, and I do love hearing from folks who are in it. Um, it sounds like you're kind of shaken by it. So I guess my advice from a human to a human that's alive is proceed with caution um, and, and, and make sure that this is truly a path professionally that you can continue to go down and maintain an emotional well-being for yourself and those around you. Because you do sound pretty shaken up by these occurrences, but the reality is they're probably not going to slow down in that field. It just seems to kind of come with the territory. And I think she's starting to find that, too. As she's, uh, she said she's at a new place and, and she's had more experiences. It doesn't end.
4: It really doesn't.
3: So thank you for sharing those experiences with us. Like I said, we do greatly appreciate them. Uh, I think it's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you guys for sharing your stories with us. Uh, if you want to keep our show on the air, become an extra podcast person, EPP as we call them, sign up. Ghostpodcast.com is where you do that. Or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Five bucks a month gets you access to all the bonus content, bonus episodes, advanced episodes, ebook, audiobook, and more. Thank you in advance for that. Until next time, for Harper and all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening.
1: 18 plus.
6: Anytime, anywhere